Welcome back to the Macro Ball Podcast. You're listening to episode 19. So we're fresh off a fun but overall disappointing all-star game. There were some highlights, uh, you know, a few nice dunks here and there, some half-court shots from Damian Lillard, who's known to be Logo Lillard from time to time. Uh, but defense was really just a suggestion for the game. Jason Tatum broke the scoring record for the game. Congrats to him. But there was a sequence where he and Jalen Brown were literally playing one-on-one as the rest of the players on the floor stood on the other side of the court. Uh, I'm sure the NBA will want to look at options for next season and for all-star games going forward because that was not a great product to put out on the floor. Uh, That was acknowledged by Jalen Brown himself and also by uh, Nuggets head coach Mike Malone. On the bright side, we saw a surprise winner of the dunk contest. Congrats to Mac McClung, the 6'2 guard from Tennessee who went undrafted last year uh, but won the G League Rookie of the Year. He's not played in the NBA this season but was recently signed by the Philadelphia 76ers on a two-way contract. Most notably, McClung is a generic-looking 6'2 white dude. Despite these obstacles, he threw down some of the most spectacular dunks I've seen in recent memory including three of his four dunks getting a score of perfect 50. The other score was a 49, thanks to the Russian judge, Lisa Leslie. But let's get back to the show. Uh, This is actually a three-part episode where I am joined by a few friends to discuss the state of play in the NBA. In this part one, we will discuss three major trades that happened in and around the trade deadline and what it means big picture for all those involved. I hope you enjoyed part one. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and leave feedback. I want to hear what you think. Stay tuned for parts two and three coming soon. Until then, let's go. Okay, we are joined today by the esteemed NBA expert panel. To my left, Phil Kulikowski. What's good, beautiful people? To his left, we have Joel Popel. Yo. And to his left, we have Joshua Walter. Howdy, howdy. Thanks for joining, boys. Um, at this point, All-Star break, 20, 25 games remaining in the season. It's looking like a really good play-in tournament coming up. Uh, we just passed the trade deadline, which is pretty exciting. I actually didn't think there was many trades. I thought there were going to be more trades to happen, not to say that they disappointed. Um, but it felt like there was going to be a few more teams that were more active, starting with my Raptors. Uh, Woj explained kind of what happened. You know, they didn't, la- and Masai did in a press conference. Um, we got Jakob Pertle. That was nice. We're not going to talk too much about the Raptors, but did anything about the trade deadline surprise you guys? Was there any team in particular that was like, oh, damn, they didn't do anything or they did something you didn't expect? Start with Phil. Uh, I was kind of hoping the Bulls would do something. Me too. Didn't make a single transaction. Yeah. Um, they were ripe for a trade. Yeah. They were like... Well, they were talking to New York with the Levine deal as well at one point, which, I mean, I, I wasn't a fan of that anyway, but they were at least in discussions. Yeah. And then they just sit put and did nothing. Joel? The Magic. They they just had... They've got a bucket load of youth. Um, and like, just... I guess there's talented guys that are deep into that roster. You know, RJ Hampton, you know, even asked for a trade. You know, he was a top, you know, 13 pick or whatever he was. Surprisingly, but didn't I'm hear just, about that one. But that that trade request didn't make the news. Clearly not. But, you know, they just got, they're a team that are sitting like 
right on the cusp of 500. And Jamal Mosley's got them in a position where they'll either go up or go down. So you feel like they should have made a trade to like actually just get one. into the just, playoff just, picture? Just, well, even just into the play-in picture and just go, okay, we well, let's see with what we got. Let's see well, what Jamal can do with this and let's we'll move this you know marco fultz is playing well jalen suggs come back from an injury paolo is playing well bowl bowl's been or you know i'm just using that team as an example as one of the teams that just a little trade yeah picking up a, a draft pick or something for next year to say okay well we finished ninth in the east so be it we were x amount all right we've got two first round picks next year we've got one in the top 15 and then we'll have one in the bottom 15 as every, all of you know, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. You just have no idea. I mean, I'm sure they got some phone calls, but I think they like the they like the youth movement they're going with. And I think they're just going to hold on to their pieces and make decisions in the offseason. That's what a lot of teams are doing. I think that's what Chicago is going to try to figure out. Toronto, uh, if they do anything. Toronto. Y- Jakob Pertl might be leading us to the promised land, just saying. Um, <laughs> Josh, any thoughts on the uh, deadline? Before we get into the proper shit that happened? I think I heard that Pat Riley was sleeping. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I shared it, that. I shared that. that yeah. oh. So <laughs> I, I feel like Miami, if they are truly trying to contend and, you know, sort of catch up to the Bucks, Celtics, I felt like they could have made some moves. I don't know how much capital or whether they've got their draft picks, but I feel like they might be a piece or two away just from competing with that. Like they're definitely competitive, but maybe needed a little bit more juice. Pat yeah. Riley might be washed, man. The Godfather hasn't done a good move in like five years. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Spicy. Spicy. The Lowry thing, eh. Yeah. Not for the contract that they gave him. They obviously signed Jimmy whenever that was. Yeah. But since then, it's been... Yeah, it's know, been pretty quiet. Hero. It's been pretty quiet. Lots of drafting. Lots of like promoting heat culture. Okay, let's uh, get into the major trades that happened. Um, starting with... The one that happened prior to the deadline, which was uh, a few days prior, Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris traded to Dallas. And then they, the Brooklyn Nets received in return Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, 2029 first-round pick and two second-round picks in 2027 and 2029. So we'll start with you, Phil. What's your biggest takeaway from this trade? I really like it for Dallas. Um, I... I'm in some group chats with Joel for some of the teams we play in, and I was getting a little bit heated because I saw the take that I was. I saw the take that Kyrie and Luca can't play together way too many times because they need the ball. It's a strong take. I think that's stupid. I think he played with KD. He played with LeBron. He played with a Celtics team that had far too many options. I think if if there's anyone Kyrie's not going to work with, it's definitely not Luca. I don't think Luca's going to complain about not having to dribble the ball every single time. Yeah, he'd be. Pleased yeah. to get some help, yeah. I like it, though. It feels like a move for, you know, keep Luca engaged for this season and next year make some, get some more perimeter defenders, yeah. a better big. Um, they haven't had a big in ages, it feels like. I mean, Christian Wood counts, but, yeah, they haven't had a legitimate... big. He ain't no starting five. Well, they're playing JaVale right now, who wasn't even in the rotation. Yeah. It's tough times. Dwight Powell. But Kyrie, in, like, he engages bigs. He allows bigs to be not a net negative on offense. So... Pretty much everywhere he's gone, like Claxton, you know, catch and shoot dunk. Like, so I think JaVale and him have effective, like he's effectively allowed JaVale to come into the offense through rotation. And we know what he can do on defense. So I feel like that's, that's the big element for JaVale. It's a fair take. I wonder why he was out of the rotation. Cause like you would think Luca would do this, like what you're saying about enabling and 
facilitating offense for players that are a little bit inept, we'll call it. But yeah, Luca likes it, shooting too much. No, because Luca's <laughs> main. He's like, I like the guy, but he top five likes in assists. Shooting. No, no, no. Because his main point of attack was on the mid low post. Right. So if you have Javale, you can't put Javale on three point line. So you've got to put him either in the dunker spot on the opposite side, and that means that second player is coming over so much quicker because True. Who, who are you going to stop with the ball? Exactly. You're going to stop going Luka. To Luka exactly. So effectively, now with it, Luca can be either you know high post, play a little bit like a Spain sort of thing, mm. or you know if Luca's off, you just play a you know a very typical sort of pick and roll with Javale and um, Kyrie, and Kyrie's going to do his thing. And you need more defense if you have both Kyrie as well as Luca on the on the court. You need someone who's gonna actually like put in whole heap of effort on defense. Speaking of uh, pick and roll, do you think a Kyrie Luca pick and roll is gonna happen? Do you think it's even worth trying? Depends on matchups, I guess. But good luck defending I, that. I've seen it a few. Like they've tried it a few times, but it isn't. Luca's long ball isn't up to the stage where it's going to be the weapon that Kyrie's is. Because mm. Kyrie on, on an open three is just beautiful. So I think they're trying to play it off because a lot of teams are running three-man pick and roll. So I think the biggest action is going to be a big comes, sets a pick for, you know, or Kyrie sets a pick for the big. The big then sets a pick for, you know. And so it frees up Kyrie. Luca mm. then has an option to either drive, pass, whatever. And then that third action is, oh, Kyrie's now open, bang, and he's going to knock down a three or drive. Like okay. it's going to be beautiful offense. So I think they're going to initiate a whole lot more movement as well as Kyrie sort of almost taking the ball and then, you know, setting Luca up into a much nicer spot so that the double team isn't going to get to him so much quicker. So therefore, one-on-one, you're not going to stop Luca. It's interesting because I look at Luca as the guy that's setting the table for everybody. Like, I think he has the highest, I don't know, you could argue to the end of time who has a better basketball IQ, Kyrie Irving or Luka Doncic. But when I watch Luca play, he makes everybody better. I think you're right. Kyrie's going to put Luca in good positions. But I think the floor spacing he offers, uh, everything on the floor, as we've talked about, Kyrie off the floor is like another story, we'll call that. Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting pairing. Um, I look at this as they're basically replacing Dinwiddie and Brunson. They should have re-signed Brunson. We all, I think we can all agree on that. Yep. But it seemed like they were trying to figure out something else. And ultimately, I guess it kind of worked out if you get Kyrie. For so. a season. He ain't, Doug. He ain't going to stick around. He's already Whoa, said he's... Oh, that's a hot take. He's already uh, said he's go. unlikely to sign, re-sign. Have you, clearly, you did not see that. I saw I a report that the conversations have started. I need to start sharing everything I online, I'll tell you. Yeah, conversations has No, I reckon Cuban's going to slide enough money under the table to him. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to get this house. You're going to get this. But for how long? Until you get the Kyrie nonsense that is carried with him forever. You'll get him for a year, maybe two, exactly like what McKenzie said before. Yeah, they've got to get him a five. They've got to get them a five to see what they can really do. And they've got to get a defender back now that Dorian Finnis-Smith is gone. I think one thing you're probably not considering enough regarding Kyrie and re-signing, though, is it's been pretty clear with his market value that most teams would be hesitant to sign him to a long-term deal. Except I just, the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers different story now, would. Kinda. And then I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas offered him what he's asking for. But if he hits the open market, I don't think any other team that needs a point guard after everything that's happened over the last two years is going to offer him five years, 220 or whatever he's asking for. Houston needs a point guard. 
Houston needs in everything. <laughs> Great quite. point. Great point. I got point. Shangu, so everything's okay. Yeah. Dude runs like a 90-year-old man. I like the point you brought up, Joel. Um, this is one of my points. I think Dorian Finney-Smith, at least for this season, uh, you're trying to piece things together for a playoff run. I think he's going to be sorely missed, yep. especially for the way they play defense. Yep. Uh, I mentioned in the chat a few times that he can play the five in like really small lineups. Like a Draymond. Uh, yeah, like a Draymond kind of. And I just think he was their most important role player. They don't really – what are you going to do now? Reggie Bullock? Tim Hardaway Jr.? Like he's not playing defense to that so degree. Um, and, yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith to me was like a championship 3 and D guy. Yep. He's going to be – I think he's going to do well in Brooklyn, but that's not a championship team. So you're not going to see the full value he provides on that team. Whereas in Dallas, he was arguably their third or most, fourth most important player. So Agreed. I think they'll need to find something to do there, but Agreed. that might not happen this season. Um, do you think this was the best case scenario for both teams? Not for Brooklyn. I think at the time, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. All the reports indicated that they were trying to build a team competent around KD. Mm. And I think if that was the goal, then that was probably the best package from what we heard. But considering KD asked for a trade the next day, which I think we'll obviously get to later, then um, nah, they, they could have got a better return. They could have got more draft capital, more younger assets. Well, I think what would have happened is that, you know, the, the conversations would have happened with the Lakers, but then the Lakers would have been playing hardball about the double draft picks, the the two vaunted, what was it, 2027 20, and 29, which is like every team wanted them. Um, I think it was probably best case scenario for the Mavs, but yeah, for sure, not for Brooklyn necessarily. What do you think, Joel, Josh? Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Tendo agrees. Yeah, McKenzie, I agree. But mm. for Brooklyn, certainly wasn't. But yeah. it was the starting of a uh, decline the second that James Harden decided he wanted out. <laughs> it was just something a sinking ship. A little bit of indicated, though, considering all of Kyrie's stuff. But it, like, I don't know. I feel like they they got enough pieces that people are going to maybe want to trade with them, and hopefully they can get something. Kell Bridges, I like him. Look, they got Nick Claxton. Nick they got Claxton. a few other guys that, like, no, no, who was their guard that dropped, like... Cam re- Thomas? Cam Thomas. Like, oh, you you think that they could put enough talent on the floor. They're going to make the playoffs just due to KD. Are they, what, like, 10 games above 500 or something? I believe you're correct. <laughs> they're going to be yep. playing regardless. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. that. I, I think they're going to jump a few teams because no one's got scouting reports on what they can and can't do, how quickly that comes about. But I feel like... I think you make a good point with the assets too, Josh. Because um, the Grizzlies offered four firsts for Mikhail, as reported, and they declined it. But that offer's still going to be on the table in the offseason. Well, well, first round picks, if you're a high draft pick, like 29 to, you know, 25 to 20, you know, 30 isn't a great pick. So it's like a second round draft pick. And you'd see in how teams throw around five or four second round draft picks. Those almost and, mean nothing, apparently. And, and unless you're you getting insanely lucky and picking up a Nikola Jokic, you're effectively just going, ah, let's throw some dice. I agree with you to an extent, but in Brooklyn's case, when they don't have any of their own, like assets are assets at that point, it's something, whether that's something something. like, if they're doing, like we're sort of all expecting the Thunder to eventually down the track use all that to make a big trade if Brooklyn does something like that. Mm. But I I mean, we've seen two failed super teams in the last decade. I hate Brooklyn so much, man. Like all they do <laughs> yeah. is just try to purchase championships. Yep. There's I'm no there's no um 
There's no character to the team. It's just like, like oh, Superstar A, B, yeah. and C. Okay, guys. The writing was on the wall too. This one, I don't know about you guys, but for me, this one felt different when they first got Katie and Kyrie because the rebuild to that point was so organic. Yeah. And then they flipped the switch and I, I thought it was going to be something different, but... And they had nah. Kenny Atkinson and he was quickly... Van like, yep. for whatever reason, he was vanquished. All right. Who was the biggest winner in this trade? I'll That's start with Dallas, right? Dallas. It can be a player too, if you want. Player, it could Dallas. be a GM... If we're going to pick a player for a winner, I, I kind of want to pick Kyrie because after every controversy, everything, he got what he wanted in the end. Kind of did, yeah. And, he, and he's on him. a playoff contender like Dallas. You would think teams are like, yeah, we, we know what limitations Dallas have, but I think, you know, they might punk a team. like Dallas, yeah. Yeah. My biggest winner is Luka. Um, he gets a high-caliber shot creator, playmaker, reduces his load. I think he was heading towards a historic usage rate uh, if he already wasn't there. And this is probably the best player he's played alongside in Dallas. The Mavericks, I don't think they're immediately title favorites. We'll get to that in a bit. This definitely boosts their chances. Um, so I'm going to give biggest winner to Luka. Yeah, fair take. And speaking of Luka, is the world ready for flat earth Luka? He's got a, quite an influencer in his uh, back pocket now with Kyrie Irving. I think you're ready. That's great podcast content. <laughs> I mean, it's sitting right there. And my thing is, like, there's already enough concern that Luca can't keep away from, like, sweet tea, Texas barbecue. He's got to keep his weight down. I don't think we need Luca deep diving on YouTube rabbit holes and burning sage on the court. Like, we don't need any of that. We just need Luca to focus on basketball, stick to the plan. The Kyrie influence just always is going to worry me. If he's going to teach him how to play, like, how to score on a defender, how to use this, how to use that, like, basketball IQ stuff, fine. Once we step outside the lines, Kyrie, please go away. Next trade that happened was a three-teamer. Um, there's only two other trades we're going to talk about. The rest of them I didn't think were that great. Uh, some of them are going to make an impact, but not really worth talking about. So the next trade we're going to talk about here, Utah, Minnesota, Los Angeles. So Utah gets Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and the Lakers vaunted 2027 first-round pick, protected first through fourth. Minnesota gets uh, sorry Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and three second-round picks. I'm not going to explain the implications of all those. And the Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, Ma uh, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. So, what are your biggest takeaways from this trade, Phil? Uh, I think LA and Minnesota walk out as winners, both of them. Um, LA got a steal by getting Bees mm -hmm. and Vando in that deal. I don't know how they pulled that off. I think if it was any team not named the Lakers, they probably don't get bailed out like that. Um, Minnesota, it just it looked like it wasn't going to work until they got more of a pure playmaker. You've come Mike around Conley. to this, yes. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's obvious what they're intending for. I don't like the timeline. I think putting a thirty-five or whatever he is year old point guard next to Ant, like what do you do in two years when mm -hmm. his contract's up and he potentially retires? Who knows what the market looks like by then? You promote uh, what's the guy the backup? Noel, the other J Mac. Oh, uh, McLaughlin. You got to promote him. God damn. That might not be if a bad a, plan by then. If he's a starting point guard from Minnesota. Nah, that brother can ball, man. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Yeah, no, I, I do like it for all the teams involved. I'm a little bit confused what the Jazz are doing. I get they're clearing salary, and by getting rid of good rotation players, they're probably headed more... I mean, every day I check the standings, they're dropping further and further. So they might be headed closer towards the lottery, but you'd think you can still use pieces like Vanderbilt when you're rebuilding. Some. I don't know. It's weird that an ex-Celtic and Danny Ainge kind of just gifted the Lakers that. It feels wrong, yeah. But right. apart from that, I think it's a pretty fair trade. It Maybe helps he knows everyone. something we don't know. 
I mean, maybe. they scored the draft pick. Like, in 2027, the Lakers could blow. And For then sure. it's like, boom. They get a top five pick, maybe. Danny Age looks like a bit of a uh, god again, doesn't he? <laughs> You think this was the best case scenario for all teams? You can start with the Lakers. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. They, they, they shored up a lot of like their Russ wasn't a good fit. You you have You're getting some use like back. A, a third scorer and some role playing three point shooters. Yeah. I think they have done the best that they probably could have. And when you consider that the other trade was, who are the two blokes from Indiana? The Miles Turner and Buddy Hill. That Phil was adamant that they needed to pull the trigger on last time. I, I still, I still like the idea of that deal. Can't happen now, but I liked it. No, but like when you think about the overall talent, that probably you know apples to apples, considering you know that the like D'Lo is going to fit this team well and is going to slot in well as a third scoring option if they're healthy. You'd hope so. And he doesn't need to be the primary ball handler but he can ball handle, he can pick and roll, he can pop and shoot. Then when, you know, LeBron goes to the bench, he can step up a little. If he goes to the bench, you know, you've still got LeBron and shooters. I think the most underrated part of this deal is the Lakers' depth. Lonnie Walker's not even in the rotation now after this trade. He was starting for them for a good majority of time. Like yeah, the fourth. You don't think he's in the rotation? I like Lonnie Walker. He's their 11th right now because off the bench they're going. Schroeder's moved to the bench, Austin Reeves... They still mm. like Troy Brown, Rui, and then Mo Bamba. That's okay. the. That, I mean, that's that was the, they've played one game with a healthy roster, and that was. I was a bit insulted, but now that you've explained it, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I just like Lonnie. I don't know what it is. I like Malik cool Monk. I feel like he's their Malik Monk this year. Nice dunks, bit of a sh- bit of three point shooting. Anyway, um, my takeaway is that the Lakers Westbrook saga has finally come to an end. Amen. What a journey! Jesus Christ, we went from like that was a long two years. Yeah, very long. The first year he was there, it was like legitimate, is he depressed? Like, what is going on here? There would have been a lot of... Imagine Westbrook walking down the street in Los Angeles. You know, you have some pretty hardcore Laker fans. We're probably giving him the business, I would imagine. And then you have people threatening family, all that stuff getting involved. It's just not great. So I think it's good for Westbrook that he got out. Um, And I actually have him as a sneaky winner. He's not my biggest winner, but I'm going to say small case for him as a winner because he finally has some freedom. But who do you think is the biggest winner out of this? Again, player, could be the GM, it could be the team, it could be the fans. As Josh said, I think the Lakers, they got a bit of use, they got a bit of shooting, they got some defense. It was kind of the best option that they probably could have gotten at that point in time, considering all the other talks of Kyrie and yeah, you know, your buddy and Miles. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, yeah, they've got, again, youth, shooting, defense. LeBron's clock's ticking. For sure. Clearly, AD's injury and everything Street else is clothes. getting on everybody's nerves. Reggie Miller's take the other day was hilarious. I was funny. We we <laughs> trash Reggie grimaces. Miller a lot. Oh, you guys that, hate the man, don't you? Oh. That that bought him some time in my books. <laughs> he's not he's not on the shit list anymore. He's on like the mediocre mm, list. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on like he's in the waiting room for the shit list. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Poor Reggie. Who do you think's the biggest winner? Lakers. I think LeBron, considering. Okay. Like, he's now effectively got less excuses, less problems. Now it is all about what can we do in these last 20 games to either get to the seventh, to the sixth spot, sort of, you know, availability. Whether he gets there or not is... very optimistic. But there's no other obstacles other than 
He's the scoring records out of the way. He's literally now just got to focus on winning. And if they if they're healthy, like AD's got to be healthy. Like, but AD take. at the f- the start of the year was in the MVP conversation. So yeah. it's not like the team with those two guys plus D'Lo could not do. I think, yeah. That's a good take, actually, about focusing. You got all the distractions out of the way, including Westbrook, like we talked about. I'm going to say the biggest winner is Rob Palenka. He oh, saved yes. his career. <laughs> Even though he got the extension and good like, take. he wasn't going anywhere, whatever. This is potentially one of the greatest reputation-saving transactions in NBA history. For sure. I mean, this guy was a dog, and now he looks like a savior. Sort of. Maybe not savior, but... I mean, even if they don't win the title, this could be his shining moment as the GM. Like, it's kind of crazy. Well, yeah, I think especially, too, we were expecting them to get bailed out with the Kyrie trade or or the Pacers trade. Like, it felt like there were things waiting for them, for him to take if he wanted. And then they come out of left field with something no one was expecting, and it turns out to be better than anything else that we've projected over the last two years. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like these things become apparent once the conversations are happening on the phone and the GMs are talking to each other. Maybe sometimes people make a case where it's like you're kind of pulling the emotional strings of like, oh, let's fix this up. Like, you know, whatever. We'll be friendly about it. I don't know. Th- that kind of deal never seemed like it was apparent to get D'Lo to the Lakers. I don't know if you, as a D'Lo fan, Phil, you ever heard anything about that? But No, I mean... came out of nowhere. Every time the Lakers were interested in a point guard, I feel like the reunion was mentioned, mm-hmm. but... It just never seemed realistic. It seemed like... The reunion. <laughs> seemed like Minnie was happy with wh- where they were at, but it didn't work out. Um, yeah. My dark horse win is Anthony Edwards. Ooh. I think... That's a good one. Not that the relationship was damaged at all. Him and D'Lo, like, he was posting photos of D'Lo after the trade. They obviously got along and, and they played well together, but pretty much 99%, I think everyone except for Tim Kennelly has accepted that the Rudy trade probably shouldn't have happened. So uh, I think... I don't know if he's accepted it, but I'm sure he should. Oh, I think I everyone but him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like um, holding on. It's still going to work. But I think for your first big transaction after that to yeah. tell your 21-year-old all-star that's been on an absolute tear, keeping your team afloat when your best player's out, yep. to just say, hey, like they, they essentially just gave him the keys with that trade. You do you. Like you lead us. Yeah. I think, I don't even think there's going to be a big adjustment period when Cat comes back. I think Ant's the guy there. Yep. And everyone's Agreed. just going to fall into place. The fit's still a little bit awkward with the two bigs, but... Yeah. No, I like that take. Giving him the keys. It's like a signal, like change of the guard, kind of. For sure. Like, they played well together majority of the time, but there's games where D'Lo comes down, has 18 points in the first quarter, and then halftime, Ant's got three shot attempts, and it's just like... Yeah. Or vice versa, and it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. We put this back to- together, and it's taken away from each other. It's a bit weird. Can we, we say a biggest loser of the, of the trade? Go ahead. Because it's got to be Rudy. You <laughs> saw D'Lo's comments afterwards or what was... It was like openly disparaging of him about how he can't do anything on offense. He's how he's got you. terrible hands. Was that real though? I don't even care. <laughs> it is everything to trash him. And and it's going to be a long-term problem for Minnesota. And you're like, okay, who's... If you can choose between to go to Miami or Orlando... Or go to Minnesota as a free agent. Where are you choosing to go? And, any you, free what agent? Are you selecting a, on? What any, are you, what's your, what are you selecting on? Are you look, picking uh, purely I'm going city? Or, purely city. Like, well, probably Miami. I'm going Miami because you're like, mm, yeah. I like being warm. And then you're like, okay, the what's the track record of attracting free agents to you know the Timberwolves? And then you've not got a great amount of money now. 
Rudy is terrible. I do, and the uh, entire defensive structure <laughs> of drop bigs is just going to get blown out of the water just due to so much movement in the NBA now that he's effectively going... His three defensive player of the years, you can't take that away from him. He will be a net negative going forward. I do want to say, because um, I'm known to be biased at times <laughs> and, and quite defensive, but, you're but I'm, I, I'm man enough to admit when I was wrong and... Josh, you are right, and Rudy's in my top three least favorite wow. players in the league from now on. <laughs> wow, hey, man! Hey, well, welcome to the light, brother. Welcome to the light. I wow. was waiting. I was waiting to hate on him. I just couldn't let you in. It must have felt good <laughs> to finally let go of the rope. Yeah, it's like I got traded too. Small pushback. I think Mike Conley works better with Rudy Gobert. So he's like, yeah, s- he is okay. Sure, he's the biggest loser, but give him that at least. I would say, nonetheless, it's probably still going to be a net negative. You make a great point. Uh, Minnesota's probably in for a tough ride, depending how things go with the twin bigs. Last big trade, the big trade, uh, the four-teamer. It kept evolving over time, obviously, as more information came out. Um, so Phoenix gets the big, the big uh, return here. Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. Obviously, TJ Warren's the big superstar in that trade. Um, Huge acquisition. Yeah, massive. Maybe even Bubble TJ Warren will be Bubble back. Bubble TJ. To get KD uh, to back him up as well, that's a crazy wing depth that'll get Monty fired um <laughs> Brooklyn gets Michael Bridges Cameron Johnson Juan Pablo Valle I've never heard of this man but he was in the trade don't forget like a fan that just got thrown <laughs> in or? yeah he's uh Cam Johnson's agent um four first round picks one first round pick swap and two second round picks not a bad return overall not the best I feel like they could have got but we'll get to that Milwaukee gets Jay Crowder um, basically their PJ Tucker replacement, I think you could say. I think we've been waiting for that trade since October. Yeah, so is Jay Crowder. And Indiana gets George Hill, Serge Ibaka, uh, who I believe was bought out, yeah. Jordan Noira, three second-round picks, and the world-famous cash considerations. So biggest takeaways from this trade, starting with Phil. Uh, I think Phoenix is the team to beat. I don't think that's a hot take. It's a freezing cold take. <laughs> yeah, freezing cold take. Phoenix is going to be a contender. No, um... Yeah, like that's pretty crazy too. And to to keep Aiden as well, I know we spoke about how Brooklyn literally can't get Aiden because of some of the trade stipulations. Yeah, Um, tricky. But you would have thought that would be sort of that and Mikael would be the pieces you build a KD trade around. For sure. Um, But yeah, big four, not great depth, but if they they got uh, Terrence Ross, they're looking at Reggie Jackson, I heard, off the buyout market. Yeah. Joel, you had uh, reported your sources Kevin Love was going there, but that might be false. We'll get to that later. Um, honestly, I would, my first big takeaway from this, this is in the discussion of the most impactful and important trades in NBA history. Uh, any trade involving Kevin Durant is going to be in that discussion, inevitably, but this is up there with Wilt Chamberlain being traded to the, the uh, San Francisco Warriors, sorry, from the San Francisco Warriors to the Philadelphia 76ers in 1965. Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale to the Celtics. For Joe Barry Carroll, a.k.a. Joe Barely Cares, uh, famous first overall pick bust back in the day. Shaq to the Heat, 2004. Um, Kevin Garnett to the Celtics in 07, led directly to a championship. And then Pau Gasol to the Lakers in 08. Still a controversial trade, that one, given the Grizzlies kind of just gifted the Lakers as the Lakers getting away with things as usual. I was going to say, we've never seen that before. The yeah. Lakers just getting Dang. bailed out. Exactly. But yeah, massive trade. Um, it felt like it was going to happen in the offseason. Obviously, Durant literally requested a trade. 
uh, didn't happen. I guess the Nets had leverage at that point, and then it became a bit untenable given that Kyrie got traded. So away you go, Kevin Durant. This trade, like you say, makes the Suns a contender, obviously. Just shifts the entire nature of the Western Conference. Like, So the Suns are currently the five seed, but they're immediately the favorites in my opinion. Yep. Um, all right, biggest winner. I'm going to argue that it's Chris Paul. Because this might Facts. be the last chance he gets to win a ring. This is the best player he's ever played with. I understand Prime Blake Griffin was great. Uh, not KD. He's KD, not KD shoots 11 probably. But he's not KD, Blake exactly. Yeah. Um, I think we'll probably see CP3 retire as a son. I think he has two more years on his deal. It's Phoenix. It's warm. They have a really good training staff, hopefully to keep him healthy. That doesn't seem to be the case with CP3, but... Every time you mention that and we're here, the man gets injured. Because That's the last time fault. we were here, you mentioned about CP3 getting hurt and whether they're contending in the West. And what happened? He broke his finger or something. He's got right bones there. made of dust. What do you want us to do? What do you guys think is the biggest winner? I like your Chris Paul pick. I didn't even really think about that. Because it, oh no, it sort of feels like he's just been there this season. Like coasting. Yeah. Um, it, feels like, it honestly felt like the whole team was on autopilot this year. That's my point of view. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go no, ahead. Good. Uh, I mean, KD gets what he wants. So, like, it, it's boring to pick the superstar face of the trade as the winner, but he wanted to leave Brooklyn. He wanted to go to Phoenix. He wanted to play with all the guys they got to keep. Yeah. It's a pretty easy pick. Is Ben Simmons the biggest loser? Hell yeah. Wow. Poor Ben Simmons. He could, be, he could be the biggest no. loser or the biggest oh. winner. Because no. I, I keep saying... He didn't play for a year and he had back surgery. I'm happy to write this year off. If he's the same next year, I'm done with Ben Simmons. But if he comes out being all NBA, all defensive Ben Simmons. Are we still holding out hope for that? No. I'm saying I'm giving him one year. Okay. If he, if I'm he, willing to go with that. Yeah, actually. if it's two weeks into next season, he's on the same thing as this year. Get him get him on the bullets. <laughs> get him back to Australia. Hey, we'll have him. Yeah, we'll take him. We'll take sure. him. But um, yeah, if it, otherwise he's just the biggest loser because he got left in the dust. And I don't he thought really he was care what Ben ring. Simmons does in the NBA anymore because he's kind of lost me. But uh, what he does in the next couple of years in regards to the championships and then the Olympics, that'll make or break Ben Simmons' career as far as I'm concerned. 